Welcome to Teaching Root. Today we're going to have a bit of a theoretical discussion. There's not really a right or wrong answer to this. No. Um, so it stemmed from someone in our Twitter feed asking an interesting question, which was, what's more relevant, content, pedagogy, or student relationships? Now, we are doing a focus on students on this one and on the teacher practice, not on teacher-to-teacher relationships. We're talking about teacher-student relationships. Mm-hmm. Now are we talking about parent-student relationships. This is a classroom-based thing. Yep. There's nothing else. It's just what's in those four walls. Yep. And just so we're clear, pedagogy simply defined as the teaching practice. It's how you teach. Content is what you're teaching. Yep. And relationships, well... It's pretty straightforward. They're, they're how you interact with your students and how they view you. And yeah. Um, Personally? And just, so just we're clear mm-hmm. about content real quick. We're talking about content in a very general sense. You could be outcome driven. You could be less outcome driven like your PYP, mm-hmm. which means you have outcomes that kind of end unit goals. Yep. But you don't, you may not necessarily have a standard set of a set of standards or outcomes you need to cover in the in the run of a year. You may be a subject specialist. You may be a generalist. Yeah. So we're talking this, about this in a very broad sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be aware we may make examples from our lives, or we may use examples from other websites we found, but we are being very subject general. Yes. So when I think of this, I don't think of it as. And either or. I I really, honestly, I feel like you've got to have the right mix. And it's not a balanced mix, so it's not one of those, like, 33 and a third of each of these. Um, But depending on who you are, because your personality kind of mixes into this a little bit as well, um, will depend on whether it's going to be a, you know, 60% of one thing and less on something else. But you definitely have to have all of those yes the most straightforward of the three is the content because they're set up for you hopefully set up for you unless you're a school where you're developing your own standards mm-hmm. which that i'm sorry i'm really sorry you have to do that that's a very challenging thing to do and it's painstaking and it's long yes. it might be worth it in the end but it is long i am sorry that you have to go through that and being empathetic towards you um but if you're using common core uh canadian british Aussie, Indian standards, whatever you want to do. You have those guideposts laid out for you. You just need to find the source for them and kind of have units or math programs or music programs or whatever you need to meet those standards. Yeah, and if you're not meeting those standards, it may be because you don't have enough of the subject knowledge. For example, if somebody dumped me into a grade eight science class and said, here's what you're teaching this year, I would really struggle because I don't have enough of the basic knowledge to be able to pass it on. So my kids will be getting those bare minimum standards or maybe slightly lower. So you need to have, you might need to spend some time getting used to the standards and getting to know them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the standards are the non-emotional part of this picture. They're They're the part that does not require empathy. Uh, they're the part that doesn't have empathy towards you. They are standards. They are... Black and white yeah. on that piece of paper. They're, Even though you think they might be glaring at you, they're not. No, you need to look at them and just... They're, they're, an, they're something to be analyzed and figured out. 
and ensure that you use pedagogical practices with them to deliver them to students, but in and of themselves are, che- are things you need to check off for the year. Now, there are people out there that say that the pedagogy isn't quite as important. And while that may be true in certain situations, how many of us have sat through uh, a PD, a presentation, or a guest speaker where it was just so dry or completely inappropriate for the age level that is being talked to? Yeah. That's the lack of pedagogy. Right. Pedagogy is critical. And if if, if someone goes, oh, it's not that relevant. No, it is. How you deliver is often the be-all and it can be Mm -hmm. one of the key key factors to whether a child or student or her learner will remember what you've done. If you want to do old-school industrial classroom students facing forward, your absorption rate... Now, by the way, that now has a new new name, by the way. Direct teaching. So if you are a direct teacher, statistically your students are not remembering as much. Possibly. There's been a lot of studies to say otherwise, but that might be a whole whole different episode. Um, Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. Yeah. Uh, Protein's good, but don't have too much. Anyways, we can get into Don't cut out all the carbs, just all of the bad ones. Yes. Make yourself go into keto. Anyways, we don't want to get... I'm a big exerciser, so I don't want to get into that philosophy, that thing. But anyways, I digress. Pedagogy matters. Um, some people have the gift of gab. They have the ability to deliver in a dynamic way just naturally because of that's who they are. Mm-hmm. Others really have to work at it. And yep. both, I think, are good. Um, both, I think, are just areas you need to work on. In the same way, some people are really good with tech and some people are, re- are need some more growth area with tech. So if you have the ability to deliver a lesson dynamically and charismatically just because of the way you are, use that to your strengths if your kids still focus when you're doing it. Um, well, not just that, though, but even there is sometimes a thought out there that you need to be really dynamic to have a good lesson. Yeah. And that kind of penalizes the introverts. It does. And I gotta say, unrightfully so. You've got some people who have the gift of gab, who are very charismatic, and what they actually need to work on is stopping, being silent, yeah, and letting the kids do their thing. And it's true that is that is something that I have to remind myself of to keep my lessons short is not to keep talking because people with gift of gab like to talk, and that's just the truth. Yeah. Um, so we we work on that on a consistent basis. Um, so, the, so and, and how you deliver to your kids has a lot to do with a couple of different things. It has a lot to do with the relationship with the kids, and it has a lot to do with how well you know what their capabilities are. Um, because you do, your pedagog differentiation is rooted in your pedagogy. It's rooted in how you deliver that practice. It's how, how, how you know which kids need to learn this way, how you know which kids need to learn some other ways. Uh, recently, we've found, we found the idea of um, kids being kinesthetic, audio, and visual learners to be a bit debunked. So that one's been taken kind of removed from it. Um, however, you do get kids who often need longer processing times, slower processing times. You have kids who have much longer stamina in terms of the ability to listen. Yep. Or you have kids who have really, really respond well to certain voices or, or whether they respond well to peers. So you've really got to get a good feel for your class and to how you deliver certain content, especially if that content is a bit boring. Oh, if you've yeah. got kids who hate math, you got to figure out some really dynamic pedagogy and how to deliver that math. It might be through game-based learning rather than straightforward teaching. 
Same thing when it comes to literacy stuff. Yep. You got kids who hate to read, then you're going to have to find a way to get that content to them. Yes. Um, in my research, I was looking around and just to highlight how important some of those relationships are and the pedagogy is there was um, a teacher who had to go on long-term leave and the person who came in to cover the class was there for an entire semester and those kids had such a terrible semester when it came to um, their grades their report cards were so low and the parents were up in arms because they're like, what's going on? How is it that, you know, this is going on? And when the teacher returned to work after that semester, this, the substitute was very solid in their content knowledge, had a pretty good idea of pedagogy, but it had no positive relationship with the students. It was just kind of one of those like, they're lazy. And oftentimes it doesn't have to do with a polar opposite situation either. Um, I had a friend of mine who, if she is listening, you're awesome, had to go out on leave for a few months this past year. And she only taught her kids up to, I think it was October, November. Um, and she returned recently. And the kids were, even though she had taught them for a less period of time mm -hmm. than the sub had. And the sub did an awesome job from what I heard. The sub did a really great job. But she had, in those first two or three months, she had built such a positive, honest, open, like oh, phenomenal relationship with their class that they were ecstatic to have her back. And they remembered little things. These are little kids, five-year-olds, four-year-olds, who remembered so many things that she had taught them months ago. And they were so happy to have her back. It matters. It totally matters. And taking that time at the beginning of the year to create those relationships is really important. Yeah, and for each kid it might be a bit different. Yeah, bark, it, don't get me wrong, we'll all feel like barking at our kids sometimes. And I'm not saying that that having those moments where you yell at them, is it's normal. It is normal. But doing it all the time is not going to build a positive relationship with them. Having high expectations for your kids is a different from barking at them. Yeah. You can have high expectations for your kids and let them know about those expectations mm -hmm. and still have a really great relationship with them. And how you interact with them is really important. If you've got a kid who's sensitive, then yelling at them is gonna do the opposite. It's gonna to totally make them withdraw. But really encouraging a positive, honest, open relationship and setting your expectations for your kids clear. And if you wanna know more about that, you can go back to our responsive classroom episodes. Um, it works. It totally works. Um, that relationship matters so much. The caring teacher is more relevant today than it has ever been. I believe you have a website where there was a, something said about, I know we're talking a little about elementary, mm -hmm. but there's a, something about a middle, middle school, high school student. Absolutely there is. There was a student who um, wrote into The Guardian and they were saying about, you know, what actually is a good teacher? And honestly, the majority of the letter is about the relationships. So The Guardian is a British newspaper, and they also, within here, re uh, reference Ofsted, which is the, from my understanding, and please somebody correct me if I'm wrong, the oversight body, the governing body of education within the UK. So it actually goes through and rates 
every single school within the UK. There's some sort of a school report card. Um, and parents, of course, are always wanting to get their kids into the schools that Ofsted said are the good schools yeah. rather than those other ones. And some schools, apparently, if they don't get a good Ofsted report card, will get closed. Mm. So, I have a teacher who, from the beginning of my two-year course, has offered an after-school session every single week for however long we need. I am often the only one there, but she doesn't mind. She's completely changed my life by believing in me, pushing me, and caring about me. Obviously, I don't expect every teacher to be like her, but to know someone values you enough to put in time is amazing. I've been lucky to have teachers who have taught me far more than the syllabus, who showed me how to tackle obstacles head on and become stronger as a result. Perfectly planned lessons are one thing, but to an insecure teenager, showing that you care is essential. The teachers who screamed at my class when I was 11 are the ones I still can't form any kind of relationship with. Respect isn't about having 30 silent faces shouted into submission. If you treat us as humans, know what you're talking about and take an interest in what we have to say, you will gain our respect. Thinking of your lessons spontaneously and spending an hour shouting at us for our disrespect won't get you anywhere. There's a teacher who's renowned at my school. She's the one everyone dislikes, mainly because she screams and gives detentions all the time. We have no motivation to work for her because we just can't talk to her. Shouting us into silence doesn't give you more authority. Agreed. So in a nutshell, relationships really, really matter. Yep. And balancing those relationships and pedagogy, if you can balance those two in particular, you will have an impact on your students. And on that note, we'll end here. Um, have a great day, everyone. Enjoy your week, weekend, or whenever you happen to be listening. And if you have any feedback for us, hit us up at Teaching Brood on Twitter, teachingbrood.com, or leave us a review. Reviews are always very important, and please pass this episode on to somebody who could enjoy it. Absolutely. Bye. <laughs>